You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. Well, this is certainly a, a memorable day. This is the, the day as a, as a congregation we honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for their country. And so go with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 57. This is where I want to start today. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are our great commander. For we are in the army of the Lord as a good soldier. Father, let us make sure that we never take off our armor, but that we fight the good fight of faith, that we lay hold of all that you have for us, that we can meet the needs of our community around us. Let us be a light to this nation. And Father, as we enter into this Memorial Day season, let us also have the words to speak to the families who remain for those who have fallen, that we can bring peace, encouragement into their life. And we'll be sure to give you all of the glory and honor for everything that we do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So Memorial Day is an American observance holiday. It's observed the last Monday of May, which is tomorrow. And it honors the men and women who died while serving in the United States military. This originally was called Decoration Day. I believe it was 1869 when the first Decoration Day occurred following the Civil War. And in 1971, it became an official federal holiday honoring all those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for this this nation For many families who have lost loved ones, this is not a happy holiday. And though our our intentions are good, many times we say, Happy Memorial Day. But we forget about the pain, the longing, the loss that these family members of our military service personnel are dealing with. So this is a memorable Memorial Day. And let us not forget the over 1.1 million Americans who have laid their life down, paid the ultimate sacrifice for this country. And also, the over 200,000 others who died associated with war efforts in defense of this country. That's more people than live in the entire state of Rhode Island. It would be like the entire state was completely erased. Or maybe even the state of North Dakota and Montana, both being gone. We have a lot to remember this weekend. Because we live in the greatest nation that exists on this earth. So one thing we should do is to recognize the sacrifice of those who paid the ultimate price 
and honor them and their families this weekend. Tomorrow, during your prayer time, please pray for peace for those families. Pray that they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and meet their Heavenly Father and are reconciled. That they would understand that it's not a loss. But what they did is they paid a price. They bought this thing we call liberty for our future generations. See, prayer is a form of conflict or warfare. We see that from Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, and, and Ephesians chapter 6, starting about verse 10. When we pray, it is literally warfare in a realm that you don't see. So let me begin a little bit of a transition here. This day of remembrance is evidence that we are a nation formed out of conflict. But we are also a body of believers that are formed out of conflict. And even though we are in this world, a world of conflict, we are not of this world of conflict. Our citizenship, our citizenship is eternal. You may have a passport that says you're a citizen of the United States, but that is temporary. Someday you will stand in your eternal kingdom. But in this world, there will be conflict. What kind of conflict? Spiritual, physical, financial, and yes, political or governmental conflict. But see, political freedom is religious freedom. We refer to this as liberty. In its simplest form or definition, liberty is the power of choice. The power of choice. And it's an awesome power. It's the same power that God gave Adam and Eve in the beginning. The power of free will. The power to choose their lives, their destinies, their futures. See, it's not that all have a vote. See, democracy would say that it's, everybody that ha it's because everybody has a vote. But it's not that everybody has a vote. But more importantly, that everybody has a voice. See, in Russia, everybody has a vote. But Vladimir wins 98% to 2%. Everybody has a vote, but they do not have a voice. And try to oppose the results of an election where there is not liberty. And what do they tell you? They tell you you're conspiracy theorists. And in Russia, you may end up in jail, or China, or North Korea, or Iran. They tell you that you're bringing falsehoods and disseminating disinformation. But where there is liberty, there's free choice. Therefore, the right to freely speak. And I thought, since we are in this Memorial Day weekend, that it would be good to read a couple quotes from some different periods in U.S. history that came out of times of conflict. This first one you may recognize. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary 
For one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. And we know this comes from the Declaration of Independence, but it's attributed to Thomas Jefferson. He understand that the laws of God were higher than the imperial laws of King George. And he says that when you come to a point where you can no longer resolve between man's law and God's law, nature and nature's God declares and demands a separation. See, the founding fathers understood this word, liberty. That without God and government, true liberty cannot exist. Without God in one's life, true liberty cannot exist. And let me read the second quote. This one will probably be familiar to you also. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from this earth. Abraham Lincoln. See, under God, there is liberty. There is the right to choose. In Galatians 5.1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, God is interested in us having free choice. If it wasn't so, He wouldn't have given it to Adam and Eve. If it wasn't so, you would be no different than the angels. But no, you are much different than the angels. We are much different than the angels. We can choose to or not to believe. We can choose to be or not be children of the Most High. He has given us the free choice. And even though many secularists claim that this nation is not a nation with a reliance on God, the historical record does not support that claim. As a body of believers, it is our choice to rely on God and His Word. That's our choice. That's one that that we make every time we come into this place. It's a choice we make every time we enter into our prayer times. It is a choice we make every time we get out of bed and put our feet on the ground. How are we going to live this day? It is our choice. This reliance is what makes us free. This liberty through Christ. And this liberty gives us, believers, victory over the world. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, I open with this, but it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You take God out of government, and what do you have? You just have another nation. 
You don't have liberty. You don't have freedom. People may call it freedom because they're allowed to maybe go get food or maybe they're allowed to send their their kids to, to a school. But freedom is the freedom to choose. Choose where to live, who to live with, what to say, when to say it. Our victory lies in what we choose. Liberty gives us the right to choose to be free spiritually, to be free physically, and to be free financially. In John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And this world system is a thief. Why? Because it is under the influence of a satanic spirit. And it is seeking how it can steal from you. How it can steal your life. And how it can steal your liberty. How it can destroy your lineage. But Jesus went on to say, I have come. That they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's victory. A more abundant life is a victorious life. I've been in many parts of the world, and I can tell you the same thing people desire, and that's the right to make their own decisions in life. When I was in Romania in 1995, five years after the fall of communism, the ouster of Ceausescu and his tyrannical government. The people were so excited about freedom, but so timid in their approach to it. They were concerned that KGB agents were still on the streets, what they could say, what they could do. See, liberty makes the difference. And in Christ, we have a right under our freedom, to say, what will we do? Our founding fathers said, enough is enough. They said it to the British. They said, enough. Nature even declares that we must call for a separation. And if you haven't studied the history, it's only by the providential hand of God that a small group of farmers beat the greatest army known in the world. And as we sang the Star Spangled Banner when we we opened service, my thoughts are of Fort McHenry. And many of you were here when we did that that, that play uh, and and we showed how, how piles of humanity lay dead on the ground, but one after another after another, they raised the flag because it stood for liberty, it stood for free choice, it stood for freedom. And as the rockets lit the harbor and the bombs burst over Fort McHenry, Francis Scott Keyes, a prisoner on a British ship, wrote the Star Spangled Banner. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave, if we will keep it. So we have victory, it's ours. Victory over debt and lack of finances. Victory over confusion, stress. Victory over illness, disease, and infirmity. 
They are ours. In Psalms 103, verses 2 and 3, I want to read it from the Amplified Version this morning. It says, Blessed, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord. O my soul, and forget not one of all of His benefits. See, God is a God of benefits. When He created Adam and Eve, He put them in a garden to sustain them and said, hey, just tend this thing, be fruitful, and multiply. Who forgives every one of your iniquities, every one of your shortcomings, every one of your bad decisions. Who heals each one of your diseases, of your sicknesses, of your ailments. See, that's victory. We do not have to suffer because the world thinks we should be suffering. I know what you're saying. Pastor, I don't feel like I have a good marriage. I don't feel like I'm prospering and all of my needs are met. I don't feel like I'm healed and healthy. But the problem is we keep looking at the circumstances instead of the Word of God. We're looking at the empty checkbook. We're looking at the past due bills. We're looking at the sliver in our spouse's eye. We're looking at the doctor report. We're looking at the aches and the pains. And no wonder so much of the church is sick and tired because they're living like the world. We were never told it would be easy. There was one garden experience, one garden of Eden. Where if they had obeyed God, they never would have had an issue. And this would probably be engulfed in the garden from expansion of time and multiplication. But we're not going back to the Garden of Eden. We have got to fight the good fight of faith. Abraham inherited the promise through faith and patience. I mean, I know, I know. As, as a young couple who could only afford to buy a bag of potatoes. Oh, you mean to go with your roast beef? No, just a bag of potatoes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But standing in faith and believing God for a whole month. Might as well have been a college student eating ramen every day because you're so, so, so down in your, your account balance. But you know what? It didn't deter me. It didn't deter me when the, when, when the minister of God got up there and said, you can have whatever you want in life. Just help enough other people get what they want. It didn't deter me when they drove in in Mercedes or Rolls Royces or Cadillacs because they taught me the principles. That whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. My family were homesteaders. See, I understood that principle. I understood that when grandpa put the corn in, that we didn't go out tomorrow and pluck the ear. I understood that we had battles to fight. We needed to make sure that it got the nutrients. We had to get the weeds pulled. We had to continue to irrigate it. We had to continue to do the work. 
And then by the 4th of July, we would gauge the success of the crop by how tall it was. They used to say, knee high by the 4th of July where I'm from. But I understood this process. And it didn't happen overnight. God's kingdom is not a get-rich-quick scheme. And I understand it's been preached. A lot, of my, a lot of my mentors have been blamed for it, but I've never heard my mentors talk that way. This is not a slot machine. You don't put a $100 coin in and pull the handle. And then out comes a hundredfold return. I think Mother Teresa is the one that once said that I used to think that, that, that prayer moved God. But she says the, the longer that I spent my time in prayer, I realized that my prayers weren't moving God, but they were changing me. See, the problem is we want the blessing of Abraham, but we want to live like Esau. Right? We want to do our own thing. We, we're willing to give up our birthright. We can't do that. We can't live like, like Ishmael and expect the blessing of Abraham. We have a right to the blessing of Abraham. We heard it this morning. Because if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed and your heir according to that promise. But we have a battle to fight. We have a good fight of faith. But victory is ours if we will lay hold of it. If we will not give up. If we will not get weary in doing good. We've got to quit focusing more on what we don't have and start focusing more on what God says and what God has done. We can't continue to confess the lack. Can't quit, continue to confess defeat and expect victory. I think it was... Oh, who's the guy that wrote Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, Shakespeare, that guy. Anybody remember him? I think it, Shakespeare, in one of his plays, there's a scene where he writes, the enemy in front of me, the enemy behind me, the enemy on all sides. Now I will attack. See, that's the way we need to be. We need to understand that when the enemies account around about us, it makes us easier to find our target. It's not time to fold. It's not time to give up. It's not time to, to admit defeat. We've got to quit looking at the circumstances. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And in Romans 4, 17, the last half of the verse says, God who gives life to the dead, and He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Instead of acting like the devil, why don't we start acting like God, doing the things that God does? Calling those things that do not exist as though they did. Jesus said this, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart will bring forth evil. For out of the abundance of your heart your mouth will speak. Jesus said if you speak unbiblical words, things God doesn't say about you, it's evil. And I hear people doing it all the time. I understand when you want to eat and you look at the checkbook and it says 0.00. I mean, I get that. I've been there. But that is not your destiny. That is not what God says about you. 
So start calling money into your checkbook and start taking corresponding action. Every Sunday, you can get a financial lesson between worship and the Word. Pastor Thor, Pastor Frank, or whoever else we have come up here, Pete, whoever comes up here, and they teach a financial lesson from this, the Bible. They didn't get it from Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey got it here, okay? And get your finances going in accordance with God. You're having problems in your health? Same thing. Align your words with this. Your words are designed to shape your world. Go with me over to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Mark eleven twenty-three. This is Jesus speaking. I don't know about your Bible, but mine, this was written in red. It says, For assuredly I say unto you, whosoever or whoever... Are you a whoever or a whosoever? This is talking to you. This is talking to me. Yes, you on live stream or watching this on one of the social media sites, he's talking about you. It says, whosoever would say to this mountain. Now, was Jesus talking about a real mountain? No, you can go back and read the rest of chapter 11 and find out that Jesus was using this as a parable. It was an example for us. When I get right down to it, he was having a discussion about something that happened to a fig tree. But he says, hey, say unto this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. So he's saying, hey, whatever your problem is, and a mountain was probably the biggest thing that came to his mind. Very likely they were at the base of Mount Olivet, right? Just right there. Say unto this mountain, he's saying, hey, whatever thing is big, whatever thing is your biggest problem, just say unto it, be removed and cast into the sea. So he says, you've got to say to it. He says, you say to this mountain, not your pastor, not your spouse, not your kids, not your parents, you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And what's the next thing he says? Don't doubt in your heart, but believe. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe. When, now, when I, was, when I first got born again, when I, was, when I was a new Christian, how much belief did I have in moving mountains? Not a lot. But I still was told that if I say it, right, God who calls those things that do not exist, See, I had to start saying it. I had to start saying it. I had to start saying it. You've got to start saying it. Because out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. So I had to change my heart. Why? Because I had grown up speaking doubt, unbelief. Man, I grew up poor. I mean, I knew what poor was like. And trust me, all those around me in school let me know that I was poor and confirmed it for me. So it made, me easy, it made it easy for me to think of myself as being poor. But when my pastor told me I didn't have to be poor any longer, poor no more, I had to change my words. I had to say unto my mountains, be removed and cast into the sea. I tell people, start it now. I tell people, start it now. Start implementing this word in your life now with the small things. Things you can believe for. 
And as you see him come to pass, you start believing for bigger things. And you start believing for bigger things. Why? Because you can start saying bigger things because you're believing it in your heart. Say unto this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you what? That you say. Shall come to pass, and you will have whatsoever somebody else thinks. No, you'll have whatsoever you say. See, God didn't make this really complicated. In the beginning, God said. I mean, he started this out really easy. He said, here's my pattern. Here's how you do it. Here's how I do it. Here's how Abraham did it. See, this is, this is pretty easy stuff. We complicate it because we try to think it through. We try to figure it out. And we are not denying reality. Somebody said, well, you're just lying. You're just denying reality. No. We are in a war. We are in a spiritual war. This war is governed by a different set of rules. One's not governed by our flesh, our circumstances, or even what we feel or see. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we walk in this flesh, we don't war according to it. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not of the mind, but they are mighty in God for pulling down these strongholds. See, we don't win spiritual battles by reasoning, we don't win them by philosophy, and we don't win them by our knowledge. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, I'm going to read it from the Amplified, it says, Here, inasmuch as we refute the arguments and theories and the reasoning and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself against the true knowledge of God. Hold every thought into captivity. Anything that is contrary to this. And I guarantee you, as soon as you start believing for something, thoughts that are contrary to the Word of God are coming. Why? Because that's how you've been trained. That's how I was trained. I still have to consciously grab hold of those thoughts today. And I'm very mindful of it. So I know if I'm dealing with it, I know you're dealing with it. Because it's so easy to try to, to, to take our spiritual warfare and fight it with physical weapons. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We've got to take every thought into captivity. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah and the Anointed One. So i got to take every thought, take it captive, and then I've got to convert it. I've got to delete it away and replace it with something God said about me. When somebody says I can't, I say God said I can. So somebody tells me it's too big for me, I say I got, my Jesus is bigger than any problem that I face. I've got to hold captive captive every thought i've got to hold it when i've had people come up here for to be prayed for and say well uh, this is my disease my mom had it my grandma had it and if you think god can do anything let's pray well first off i don't think god can do anything about it i know god can do something about it 
I've seen him almost do everything about everything. From glaucoma, scoliosis, deaf ears. That one still gets me. Praise the Lord. 1994 or 5, 1994, 1995, Palm Springs. Still gets me. Somebody says, well, you haven't seen it happen since then? Well, how many times have you actually literally seen deaf ears pop open? And then the whole family from the back of the church run to the altar bawling, wanting to meet Jesus as Jesus has just healed their daughter. How many times have you seen people come out of wheelchairs? Jesus said, if you only believe. See, we win spiritual battles by the word. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Isaiah 53, 5. If I were, then I am. See, what God says about me is I'm healed. Yeah, but, but pastor, you don't understand. I, I, I use the thermometer, and it says I have a 102-degree temperature. What's that have to do with it? The Bible says you're healed. Now, you can believe the thermometer, you can believe the Bible. It's entirely up to you. When I was in an emergency room with 20 minutes left to live, my wife could have believed what the doctor was saying or what God said. When I was recovering, I could have believed what the doctor said, and maybe I'd be limping around here like this, you know, because he said I'd never walk normal again, never be able to play in sports. Doctors are good at telling you all hope is lost. Why? Because the world, the devil, the enemy comes to steal your hope so he can kill your dream and destroy your life. I don't care if the thermometer says you got a 105 degree temperature. Jesus said that he, his blood healed you. So start walking in it. Start walking in it. When afflictions hit me, my first call is not to the doctor. My first call is to Jesus. Lord, your word says that by your stripes, I am healed. Therefore, I am healed, I'm healthy, I'm whole, and that's all my body will know. I made a little rhyme out of it. I say it to myself. I'm healed, I'm healthy, I'm whole, that's all my body will know. See, I, I did that to myself because that's all I want to live with. I'm not saying that we don't have war wounds. Amen? Battle scars. But that doesn't mean they're mine. I'm sure not going to make any disease mine or any plague. Well, you know, my diabetes. Where'd you buy that? Where did you adopt that at? Why don't you give it back to whoever you got it from? Jesus said that you're healed. Oh, yeah, but my blood sugar, 
What's that have to do with it? What's that have to do with it? See, you're trying to fight a spiritual battle with fleshly thoughts. If the word says you're healed, you're healed. So cast the whole of the care about it on Jesus. Amen? Cast 1 Peter 5, 7, last scripture. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. All things. That means spiritually. That means physically. That means financially. Your circumstances are not your limitation. Your circumstances are not your glass ceiling. Your faith is. And you know what? We have the liberty, we have the freedom to choose. Am I going to live according to what the world says? Am I going to live according to what my body feels? Am I going to live according to what I see? Or am I going to live according to the Word of God? Amen? Amen. So today, if you have a struggle in your life, I don't care what it is, if you have a struggle in your life, I want to agree with you. I want to see you as an overcomer. I want to see you be able to break free and obtain the victory in every area of your life. So Jesus said he came for, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? Amen. So this is Healing Service Sunday. Doesn't matter what area of your life is broken. Doesn't matter what area of your life you need healing in. If you need prayer this morning, I want to invite you, as Jared plays, I just want to invite you to come up here and allow me to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Amen. So if you have have prayer requests, prayer needs, come. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, Your word says, if I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-545. 4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com. Or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.